Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. It's episode 119 and hey patrons, we are in episode 119 joined today by a guy that I've had a little bit of bias towards. I loved his photography. I heard him for the first time ever on Nick Page's podcast, the Landscape Photography Podcast, when he was still doing it with Tripod. And... I have a complete and utter bias for Italy, everything Italian. I love Italian food. I claim that I'm Italian, even though I'm only through my dad's side Italian, and he's got a half of him that's partial Italian, and so I guess I'm really only a quarter. Right, Dad? Is that only a quarter, really, that I am? I think you'd be an eighth if you had your mom in there. <laughs> if I add my mom in there, it's not even a quarter? Because it's right, it's half of you. Uh, so I'm even less Italian than I realize it. And I just feel like, oh yeah, I'm 100% Italian. I'm short, I have nice hairy arms. Uh, I don't have the Italian full head of hair, but uh, you know, I'm partial Italian. <laughs> it's the dominant gene. I think the German in you gave me the, the hair loss. Probably. <laughs> so I'm joined here today, guys, with my father because he speaks perfect Italian. Well, I don't know. Maybe Enrico can say otherwise. But uh, we have Enrico Fossati on the call right now with my father. And these guys have been talking Italian, telling some stories, talking about the area. And uh, just, uh, Dad, say who you are real quick. Introduce yourself, and then I'll go into Enrico. I'm Ken King. I am Aaron's father. <laughs> and I spent a couple of years in Italy, about six in total. Oh, and yeah. so uh, I love Italy as well. And I don't speak it perfectly. To Aaron, it seems perfect. To Nico, it's like, well, you're doing okay. <laughs> but uh, I look forward to this. this oh, you're Italian. It's great. <laughs> Thank you, Enrico. <laughs> yes. Right over my dad's shoulder is a poster of the Verese Scorpions, the football team that he played for when he was out there. And at that time, you also sold Amway products? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it sounds really cool until I say the Amway products. <laughs> well, it's, we were in Italy. I was playing with the football team and someone we knew back in the States who sold Amway pot products wanted us to help them market those products in Italy. It didn't go very well. <laughs> no, unfortunately. But Enrico, hi, I want to introduce you now. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Um, thank you guys for inviting me to your podcast. I'm very happy. And Well, I think um, I can present a little myself, introduce myself. I am a landscape photographer. I am based in the northwest of Italy. And I'm focused on landscape photography, especially fine art landscape photography, because I work a lot with my majors and, and uh, okay, I'm here and I'm available to your questions. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking time. It's definitely a challenge to get someone from an eight hour, nine hour difference to come and make time for us to meet with them. So thank you so much for being available right now. Uh, I, I'm I'm very happy. So for me, it's a pleasure being interviewed by you guys. And in Italy, there aren't podcasts, so uh, hmm. for me, it, all the time is exciting, and uh, it's very nice finding people who is interested in listening my my talks, my opinion about photography. Um, it's a little dead our market about this kind of things. 
Okay. Well, it's cool that then you feel that uh, there's a void there, a vacuum there, and that we excited Americans who get stoked about getting someone from Italy on is uh, not an annoying thing, but an awesome thing. So I've got my dad alongside with me, guys. And what I'm going to have him do is we're going to go through the podcast. And if there's ever a moment that I say something just way confusing, way too idiomatic, way too um, just needs a quick translation, my dad's available. It might not be needed whatsoever. I honestly just have fun hanging with my dad. And I'm glad that he's here as my co-host. So I want you to know that you should make comments too. I need you to be a co-host. Don't feel like you need to stay quiet the whole podcast. So don't be afraid to say anything in response to what he's talking about. Good, because if you wanted me to be quiet, you asked the wrong guy. (laughs) (laughs) I am your son, and so I know what you're talking about. So off off recording, I've already talked to Enrico a little bit about some of the questions we're going to talk about. And so first things first, I want to get right back into the conversation that we had and ask you, Enrico, if we get out there to your area, and when you think about as a landscape photographer, where are the top three places that you would add to your bucket list? I think uh, the first is New Zealand. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Very far from Italy. And- yeah, <laughs> the opposite side of the world. <laughs> well, and uh, probably I would love to visit uh, the far north of Canada. Um, really? Of yeah, all places. The yeah, far cold north of Canada. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I think it is one of the widest places in the world. And I had just a, a little uh, experience in Canada in 2016 when I went uh, with my friend Rob. And I felt something very special when we went in a very wild area and where we were completely isolated from any civilization and uh, the feeling is unbelievable you, you can't compare an experience of that kind like um, a, a trip in Iceland okay Iceland is beautiful but it is it's just a school trip it's not the same <laughs> it's, it's, it's not an experience yeah yeah I think is uh, okay you can park and you have you, uh, you can walk like two hours three hours so you can have a very nice landscape, but you have your car at three hours uh, from you. When you are in the middle of nowhere and the only way to reach that place is with helicopter, everything changed. <laughs> and you know that around you there are bears and there are dangers. Uh, the, 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 the feeling and the experience of taking pictures of a place like that is completely different in my opinion. Awesome. So Northern Canada, you say because it's beautiful and cold. Any other reasons why Northern Canada? Well, I think the landscape is is pristine, is, is, is totally unspoiled. I think uh, mm. for, for a landscape photographer, it's like the promised land. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, I've saw some pictures from other artists I'm, I'm following since many years. Mark Adamus is shooting in Alaska or in in the far north of Canada, and it's awesome. I think it is it's really impressive the landscape. Besides the, the dimensions, okay, because it's huge and the vastness of the area, it, it's really unbelievable. But I think also that the feeling and the the mood, the atmosphere that you have in those places, I think is really similar. It's truly similar to some. Uh, settings of fantasy worlds or <laughs> movies, fantasy movies, and, and I love that kind of things. 
As I know your photography, you really like mood. When you see weather is happening, that's when you go, and that's when you get out with your camera. So you love putting that mood in your in your composition. Well, if you want, I can I can explain you how this this love for the bad weather is born. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please. I was actually going to ask a question similar to that right after this. So let's go into it right now while we're talking about Canada. Well, my, my first steps about landscape photography um, were in 2008, 2009. So it was just a game. Just I, I purchased my first DSLR and I was trying to, to take some pictures. Uh, nothing special. I, I wasn't... Come si dice? Non intendevo... Um, non avevo intenzione di, di farne un business, era solo per divertirsi. Basically, what you're saying is, I didn't have any intention to make it a business, it was just oh, to yeah. have fun. The beginning was just a hobby, was just a, mm. um, a way to spend my, my free time out in the nature, taking pictures with my friends. And um, I remember that at the time I was watching some pictures on some forums on the web about the area around Italy and. A lot of people uh, were going to shooting in in the Dolomites because it's a it's a fantastic oh, yeah. area here in Italy, but it's a bit far from my home because I have to drive like five or six hour, <laughs> yeah. and for uh, for a Sunday trip is a bit far, and so I started to to explore the French Alps that are close to my home because I'm I'm living two hours from the French border. And uh, so I started to explore this area that is very close to my home, but the weather there is like Scotland. <laughs> it, <laughs> Constant it's <really> rain. Rainy. <laughs> yeah, it's very moody. And uh, well, I, I, I was a passionate about a fantasy movie and fantasy art since my youngest age, since I was a, a child. And I started to think uh, at those landscape like... Uh, like a painting and say, wow, I would love to have the same feeling watching these paintings. And I, I would like to, to, ch- to edit my pictures in that way. So I started to shoot in, during bad weather and, and is born the dark processing. <laughs> <laughs> the dark processing. So if you think yeah. about the way that you compose your images, what would be your priorities that you're checking off in your mind when you think, okay, here is going to be the image I take, and yes, it's going to be a portfolio piece, a portfolio-worthy image. Well, uh, sometimes um, I start to to pre-visualize a shot, simply exploring the location from the web. But now that uh, uh, I remember that was um, there was a database of images on Google. Uh, I can't remember the name. What is photo? Photo. Oh. Well, uh, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. On the Google Maps, you used to have a database of images that would show up, yeah. and yeah, I'm forgetting the name myself, but you could click on it and see dozens of images, and you'd see them all over the map. And now they exactly. have removed that library from Google Maps, and now it's just the Google Photos library, which is far few. It's far more limited than it used to be. Yeah, exactly. I think that database was extremely helpful because, uh, okay, the, the shots were not of great quality, but just uh, snapshots from hikers or um, mountaineers. 
but was very helpful to understand uh, um, how the is the the area. And, yeah, uh, it gave you great well, context for what the area looked like, but also as you're scanning areas, you would see clusters of images, and you get tipped off quickly. There's something interesting here. Let's see what it is. Okay, so well now I have other resources for mm-hmm. for exploring a bit in the web and trying to understand uh, if it's worth or not going there. But many times I uh, I love to to explore area that are not. Mm, are not very popular because yeah. I, I can find something special, something unique. Uh, for example, I, I love shooting streams and waterfall, or um, I love explore the woods because he, I think you can find a lot of small jowls and that are unknown to to the larger part of to the largest part of the of the public. Everybody are going in the same places, taking the same pictures. Okay. I love them. I love the iconic landscapes, but I think he is starting. Well, hmm. the, the past year, I, um, I spent three weeks in Iceland. For uh, I, I led a couple of tours there, and uh, the first time when I'm when I arrived, I yeah, the, the, that feeling of déjà vu. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Déjà vu. Yeah, you feel like you've been there before. You've seen it before. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Everything was just like, okay, yes, it's nice, but it's like, uh, I, I already saw that. <laughs> been, been there, done that. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think he is. Okay, uh, I enjoyed Iceland a lot, but his popularity, uh, I think he is ruining a bit the, the experience of landscape photography. Okay, uh, there aren't... Uh, unexplored places in this world but okay uh, when you when you visit an area that uh, only few photographers going there i think you are more free you, you can unleash your creativity and you are not uh, forced by taking okay i'm not forced on taking the pictures where where i'm where i'm going but what i mean is that the presence of super iconic location in a place are are just like a distraction. Uh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I feel you. I think a lot of people are finding themselves going to the Faroe Islands just to get away from the classic Iceland, but very similar, and they feel the unexplored beauty of it that has a yeah, little well, bit untouched still to this date. Yeah, exactly. Enrico, I have so, a question for you, if I may. Yeah. Um. And I'm curious, not being a photographer, and there's those that are listening out there probably uh, might find this a not yeah. important question, oh, but not hardly. it seems like if you're going to places, most places that are iconic images or most places that have a lot of pictures being taken of them, it's because it's fairly easy to access. It seems to me that if you go are going to places that are not as well known, it's probably a little bit more difficult to get there. So are you also a technical hiker? Do you go to places that require mountaineering or technical skills to get there? Well, uh, technical skills is a big word. <laughs> well, I, I'm working. I'm working a lot. But yeah, sure. And when I'm in the mountains, I, I I don't mind about the the elevation. So if I have to hike for 500, 600, 1,000 meters of elevation gain, I can do that. Okay, I have my writ, but uh, okay, it, it's challenging, and sometimes we have uh, uh, 
you have problem because there aren't huts or there aren't hotels once you arrived up there. So you have to bring with you the tent. Mm, yeah. It's, it's a, li- a little bit more tricky. And uh, the largest part of the, of the photographers, they don't want to hike so much because probably they don't love to hike. They prefer just to take pictures. And uh, I think uh, you, you, should, you can do a good mix between the two the two passions i think you can hike a bit and take nice pictures but you i think you can go in places that are not uh, popular and you don't have to hike so much I, I know a lot of locations in the alps that you can go there walk for half an hour and take beautiful pictures that and are not absolutely popular place even at just a half an hour you're already in a composition that's unique compared to what everyone's getting when they step off of the gondola step off of a, of the bus a vehicle off the road and so i understand exactly what you're saying it's funny that in the last few podcast guests that we've had on here everyone has kind of been a focus on mountaineering hiking in getting to these locations and so i feel like this is in it has been a drum a drum beat for me Aaron get out hiking more go hiking more in astrophotography milky photography often we go to locations that are really really close to where you park and so I'm gonna have to get out there more and hike further up and get up there so I was curious about your third location but I'm wondering if it's safe to say Enrico if if you were to pick a place in Italy and recommended a location for all of us, should we all hit the Dolomiti first, or where should we go first in Italy for our landscape photography? Well, for landscape, it depends what kind of landscapes you have in mind. It, True. If you mean if you mean nature, probably Dolomites are the best option. Also, the Western Alps because we have a lot of beautiful landscape also in the West. Uh, there is the region of Valle d'Aosta. Do you know? Oh, I don't know. Valdosta. 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 Valle di Osta, Valdosta. It's a beautiful area. Yes, it's in the opposite side of the Alps. It's on the west, it's not on the east. And there are a lot of uh, very nice, iconic locations. And there are beautiful mountains for every taste. I think it's a little bit challenging, more challenging for the Mm. hikes because they are a little longer. And but you have really dramatic peaks because you have the Mont Blanc and all the the four thousand peaks around him. I think it's a pretty impressive. You, you, you is an is an area that is not really exploited. is is a little less known because um, I don't know why everybody are going in the Dolomites because okay, it's easy access. You can draw. You can drive almost in inside the location. You have just oh, to, really? to make a small. Yeah, you can. You have just to walk a few minutes, and then you have hot restaurant, hotels, and leisures <laughs> of kind. Okay, it's it, it's beautiful, it's fantastic, but it's not wild. It depends what what kind of landscape you are looking for. And uh, in the south, in the center of Italy, you can take a lot of beautiful pictures of uh, small villages, medieval castles, or historical uh, uh, buildings uh, are almost everywhere. Uh, I think you have countless uh, options in Italy. Oh, amen. I mean, like I said, I have a bias for Italy. I know of the city Arezzo because it was in the movie uh, I'm seeing Buongiorno la Principessa. What was that called? Uh, it's la Vita e Bella. La Vita Bella. Yeah, La Vita Bella. Um, okay. Because of that, it, I love Arezzo. <laughs> Tuscany, Tuscany, 
it probably is one of the most photogenic region, right. photogenic regions in Italy because you have a lot of rolling green hills. Oh, you yeah. have a lot of medieval village vineyard. It is really picturesque. Yeah. I think it is very nice and is one of the most uh, photographed places in Italy from amateurs, from tourists. Uh, but yeah. I think the potential uh, for for a nice portfolio is huge. And close close to the Tuscany, there is also Liguria, and where there are Cinque Terre. It's very famous. In, in the last in the last years, the area is becoming popular for a series of small villages on the on the sea. Like uh, Vernazza, Manarola. Yeah. yeah. Is, is uh, Portofino a part of Liguria? Yeah, Portofino yeah. is in Liguria. It's it, it close yeah. to Cinque Terre. Okay. Portofino, one of the places you would go, Dad? Well, I've been. I, I don't know all of it. He's mentioning places. Holy cow, we need to go see all these things. Oh. Um, well, uh, and and Re- is VIP location for, uh, <laughs> yeah. for every good meal. Or, <laughs> uh, and the focaccia. Um, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> the, uh, I'm curious about. I know that there are several places, and I'm not sure exactly how it happened, but I think it was Catholic Church. There were several places on the top of hillsides or mountains called. They would name them Sacramonte. There and and we up in Varese, there's one that's fairly famous and and a beautiful little a little village. No cars can go in there. The viales are they're not very big. They're not viales. They're little. Tiny roads. Tiny roads. <laughs> and uh, I'm wondering if you ever do any landscape photography from areas on top of these mountains where these little bitty villages were made. Oh, I, I don't know this place. I never heard ah, about it. Sacramonte. I, th- I, I think it was like during either World War One or World War II, they, were, they built some villages up on the top of mountains and they designated them sacred places so that people could be oh. there take refuge there etc and there and and most of the military might that was around would leave them alone okay yeah i'll take a look at that oh, <laughs> yeah. oh go to you got to go to sacramonte above varese I can tell that everyone listening is already thinking, you know, I hear about flights to Italy a lot, and it sounds like from north to south to east to west, whether you're in Dolomiti out in the east or go to the west border over there near France and Torino where Enrico lives, you've got options of beautiful landscapes. I think we're excited enough about getting out to Italy. Let's go ahead and take our only break of the podcast. We'll come right back, talk with Enrico Fossati. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast, everybody. And so, Enrico, if you're out there at a campground, camping with people who are friends who are also photographers, and you're sharing stories, what's a story of getting out there with your camera that you like to share with other photographers? Oh, yes. I have a story about uh, one of my most popular shots. And oh, cool. the, the shot is Station to Rivendell. And the, the, the title is, is inspired to a painting of John O. He, he's a painter. Uh, he's a... Um, is from Switzerland, and uh, I think he's a Canadian guy who lives in Switzerland, or I don't know exactly uh, okay. his origin. But uh, well, I, I love his art um, because he was one of the um, the painters uh, of the all the visual material about Lord of the Rings of the movies. <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Is is hard? It, it worth to be. To be watched 
only for understanding composition and colors. I, I study a lot of artists for only for this reason because I love to understand their choices about the depth and the colors and the shading, the transition between the subjects. I think is is truly yeah important. Yeah, and. Um, well, um, when I saw that place in the French house uh, for the first time, I fell in love with it because uh, that place is is similar to to Rivendell, <laughs> the, <laughs> the popular location of the Lord of the Rings, because it is a glacial valley that is a narrow glacial valley with very high and steep um, cliffs around it, and you have a lot of waterfalls coming down from the top, from the glaciers. So when you are in the area during the summer, the early summer, maybe June or May, you, you, you have a lot of small waterfalls coming down and the feeling is almost the same. So uh, when, I, when I, I spotted that place the first time on the web, I told myself, okay, I have to go there. <laughs> I have to shoot Ruindal right now. <laughs> uh, I, I, I went and the first time in that place and... Um, the first night when we walk it on the top of this valley that is is not a demanding hike it's just two hours from the parking but it's almost flat it's just long and uh, when i'm right on top uh, a, a huge thunderstorm uh, is appeared in, on the opposite side of the valley and uh, at the bottom where I, where it was the valley is uh, is blind. You 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 can't leave from that place because you have just a vertical high uh, mountains behind your shoulders, and the only yeah. way to go out is going straight in, in front of the storm. So, <laughs> oh, and you risked it yeah. and decided to go right into it. No, no, no. I I waited. So, <laughs> oh, you because, waited. Yeah, I've waited the storm because uh, going down. Was I think was more dangerous because it uh, was possible to hear the, the thunderstorm falling down the, um, the cracks. Uh, what's the name? Thunders. Thunders. Lightning, yeah. oh, lightning thunders. and thunders. Thunder crack. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and uh, I was a bit worried about that. So um, I discovered about, uh, at the bottom of this valley there was a cave, a huge cave. And and I think to my, I think that was safe for me going inside the cave, because when I when I saw with my eyes the lightings uh, falling down at few meters from me, <laughs> well, I started to to have fear because uh, I I was uh, holding my tripod was in carbon fiber and uh, the lightings are uh, very dangerous in the mountains, especially oh, during. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I fled inside the cave and the, the roof was enough, uh, was high, was not uh, closed because um, you have to avoid the, um, the narrow caves during the thunderstorm because you can, you can, come si dice? Posso usare tuo papà? Sì. Quando sei all'interno di una grotta molto piccola durante un temporale è pericoloso perché se cade un fulmine sopra la montagna può scaricare la corrente sopra di te. Um, fl- uh, he was worried about the with he was in a like a slot canyon oh, more of a, more than a cave. Flash, and flood the flash flooding and mm-hmm. uh, lightning striking the area 
could cause things to fall on him because he's got no place to really protect himself. So he needed to find a cave big enough that you can get in, not the small ones that could flash flood or possibly have things fall on him in the slot canyons. So you were really out in the environment, faced with the elements and potentially at risk in many you couldn't turn. Let me say it this way. You couldn't turn well, to smaller canyons and smaller options because those were more dangerous than just staying out in the open. So what did you end up doing? Where did you end up finding shelter? Well, I, I find the shelter in, inside this big cave. And uh, walking outside the cave, I've started to to watch the scene in, with uh, with different eyes because I, 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 I was... Um, I, I feeling myself a little more safe, and uh, I said, "Wow, it's fantastic! Look at the clouds!" <laughs> and then I mounted my tripod and I started to shoot. And uh, that day was one of the first sexual shots uh, of my career. That uh, I, I was pretty popular thanks to that picture, and I, and oh, wow. I also surprised. Yeah. So with this experience, you're inspired by the Canadian artist. You see his yeah. work for the Lord of the Rings, and you inspires it forces and motivates you to get up here to try and capture a shot like this. You end up coming home with one of your most famous shots in after the storm, and you come out of the cave and you get your perspective changed from looking at the clouds from inside the cave. I'm curious if someone, and and not even if, because there are many people listening right now who have seen your work. And they're feeling inspired by you, Enrico. They don't have that a Canadian artist that they've seen. They've seen your work, and they're inspired by it. What kind of advice would you give them if they want to try and and get some of that mood in their own photography? Well, I think uh, well, my this my greatest suggestion is well to first of all to to avoid the thunderstorms <laughs> well, or at least wait just for a rainy day is more safe and okay. uh, to exploit the mood you have to find uh, always a bit of light in the storm well I went a lot of times in the mountains during uh, during the storms and uh, sometimes I I return to the dome without any good shot because mm, right. sometimes the sky com- is completely gray. There isn't any directional light that you can exploit in post-production because when when you have a, a light that is totally flat, it's really tough to extract from the from the raw files of your camera. Besides your skills in Photoshop, uh, I think it worth sometimes throw away a little bit of raw files and and try to to exit another time with your camera and trying to, to take the pictures that you have in mind. Don't waste the best location with over-processed pictures. Just wait the right the right moment and the right weather. Study with care the composition and return in the place more times. Okay, if you can. If, you, if you're visiting yeah. a country on the other side of the world, you have to exploit it at maximum where you are in the field. So... My the best suggestion is to visit the location many hours before the good light. Well, also on the good light we can we can talk a lot because in, in the last two years I I almost ignored all the, the shots taken after 
at the sunset or the sunrise because I fell in love for the, the hard light during the afternoon. Yeah, the late afternoon or the late morning, sometimes I, it's better for me, especially in the middle of the mountains when, when you have a, a stormy afternoon or a stormy morning and you have some patches of light hitting directly in the middle of the valley. I think you can have uh, more three-dimensionality compared to a classical sunset. Okay, a beautiful sunset is always a rewarding gift for right. for a landscape photographer. But I think sometimes it's better to exploit the condition where happening in the Alps during the summer. You can have a shower, and so you have you can have mist, you can have a rainbow, or maybe just a patch of light. You, you can have a view of the valley completely darkened by the shadows, and just a patch of light in the mid. I think it's fantastic. Do you know, um, for example, Albert Bierstadt, the famous painter from the Hudson River School, is an American painter. I'm ashamed to say I do not recognize his name right now, so no. He, he painted a lot, uh, a lot of um, beautiful landscape of your country during the 19th century. And um, he painted a lot of storms, a lot of yeah. dramatic conditions, and uh, many of them are conditions that you can find uh, only during the afternoon, not during the night or maybe late during the day. Um, it's an interesting piece of advice that I should emphasize right now, guys. If you get out to these areas with the tall mountains or in a mountainous region, don't think like you would maybe in your hometown that I'm going out during golden hour and sunset. Get there early, really early, not just a few hours before sunset, but really early because that afternoon can have some really harsh dynamic light that's coming through. And as it gets too low in the sky, the sun, when it gets too low in the sky, you can experience just all shadows and all nothing. Everything's flat, flat lighting. And so it's interesting to think that when you're in an area like this, this mountainous region, you could use the whole day as your nice, perfect light, an opportunity for great landscape photography. So don't think only sunset and sunrise. Yeah, or um, another option that you have in, 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 in the Alps, for example, you have to consider to have a B plan. <laughs> when, when the conditions are, are bad, for example, during a bluebird afternoon, when you don't have one single cloud in the world sky, you can consider to visit the forest, <laughs> yeah, or maybe a shaded area of the mountain where you do you have streams, or you can find this kind of subject. So you 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 have you can ignore the, the sky and what's happening in the valley. <laughs> you are on other subjects. Or you can spend the day in the swimming pool. <laughs> yeah, just don't go out. Just enjoy the time with your family. <laughs> well, this is great advice for people who maybe aren't in these mountainous areas. Some people are really jealous of me out here in Utah and the people in Denver and Colorado where we enjoy the Rocky Mountains. And you have a different mountain range in the Rocky Mountains than you'd have in the borders of Italy. I mean, would you say that too, Dad? You've ridden your bicycle all throughout that area. It just... It doesn't have this. It isn't the same. I don't know how. It isn't the same. You mentioned riding the bike. Yeah, I love riding up in Como, Bellinzona, um, up in the you know the border of Switzerland and Italy. The mountains are just different. They, we, you have 
here in the in the United States, high in the mountains, you have very um, distant places, not a lot of population at all. But when you go in the mountains of Italy, a lot of them, not where he's talking specifically, but I think some of the landscape photography, for me, I'm thinking I'd yeah. love to see the villages on these tops of mountains. Oh, yeah. Like the Sacramontes. Yeah. In Como. You get into Como and you go to the Paso Gavia or, or Gizalo, and yeah. they've got churches on the hilltops. They've got houses on the hilltops. Mm-hmm. Beautiful scenery. Beautiful yeah. views. But you've, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and when you take into some of the consideration of what you want for good light and that's in that area, it might be completely flat and shadow full of shadow by sunset or during sunrise. And so coming in the middle of the day when you have some clouds going through there and dynamic shafts of light, lighting, maybe even spotlighting that village at the top of the mountain, that's when it's glorious. And you'll see that in Enrico's work. It's been really inspiring to look, Enrico, at your images. And I think we found the one you're talking about where you captured it from the cave. You can see almost like a river of water coming down and swerving through the valley of these two gigantic rock cliffs. And you can see an overhang of rock in the top right corner. And the clouds are just dynamic and fierce looking. And that's awesome. I love the light that happened on that valley. Yeah, we're looking at your website right now, and it's EnricoFosati.it, and I'm looking at your personal favorites gallery. So I don't know if that's the same image you were talking about, but this well, is a probably, beautiful one. Um, uh, I don't remember <laughs> what image. <laughs> no Sorry. worries, no worries. But Enrico, yeah, I you- built my website <laughs> some months ago. <laughs> Uh, you have been a fantastic guest, Enrico, and we got to have you on again soon. Brendan really was sad that I was doing this episode without him, that he wasn't able to make it. And so would you be willing to get on again with us soon when I can get Brendan with me as well? Oh, yeah. Well, anytime when you want. Ah, that'd be a fantastic opportunity because we love your work and we want to share you with another group of our podcast listeners and we want to get this out there. So that'd be a lot of fun to have you on here really soon. So we'll give you a call back for that. But Enrico, anyone who wants to follow your work and see more of Enrico Fossati's images, where can they find you on the web? Well, uh, on my website, uh, that is www.enricofossati.it and on Instagram, on enrico.fossati. And uh, on Facebook, always searching my name. <laughs> anyway, you can find on my website all the links to 500px, uh, Flickr, Facebook, Instagram. Everything is on my website. You can, from, you can start from the website and you can visit all my social links. Perfect. Thank you so much, Enrico, for giving us an hour of your time and hanging out with us on the podcast. You're very welcome. So I'm, it has been a pleasure meeting you and your father. So I hope to talk soon with you. Enrico, I hope to meet you someday. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I hope so. I'm planning a visit in the United States since um, uh, a couple of years, so I hope it will happen soon. Oh, you got to get out here. Yeah, because there was a project with another famous landscape photographer, American landscape photographer. She is Erin uh, Bobnik. Oh, you're going to come uh, out with Erin Bobnik? We're interviewing her tomorrow. Oh, uh, say ciao to Erin. <laughs> I will. Well, we are working together since 2014, and we are planning workshops in the Dolomites and in the French Alps. Right now, we are leading workshops in the French Alps because it is a little more exclusive, is a little more mm. uh, unspoiled. And we, have, we are planning to, to make something in the United States, but it's still work in progress. 
Well, awesome. Can't wait to host you guys out here. If you ever make it to the Utah area and you want to do Milky Way photography, you've got to give me and Brendan an email. We'll we'll get we'll pick you up at the airport. We'll take you to the great spots and we'll make sure you get the most out of any time you can give us. My wife will feed you a un buon pasta al forno or carbonara. Oh, yes. Oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, Enrico, for joining us today. Thank you. Guys, remember, depending on your location, from what we've learned from Enrico today, depending on your location, you might have beautiful hours of light at different times of the day than what you might be thinking. And most importantly, get out there, get out there often. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Thank you guys for following Photog Adventures. Thank you, Enrique, Enrico, and thank you, Dad, for being a part of this for the Italian. And I hope you guys have a good week. Ciao.